I would always try do other work before I start my emails because I know that yeah, it's just so easy to get stuck in that rat race of it. Hi, I'm Hannah, and together with Steph, we started Wiser to help people understand their why, become wiser, and thrive in their careers. So here we are with the Get Wiser podcast. Enjoy. Hello, Hannah. What are we talking about today? Today, Steph, we are talking about working smarter, not harder, and maintaining a work-life balance in a management leadership role. So today, we want to highlight the challenges that new managers may face in balancing their workload, and then also chat about the significance of prioritization and time management. So practical tips, what have we got? Do you want to tell me how you, in your day, prioritize stuff and manage your time? Absolutely. Um, a couple of things. I always set up my week the week before. So I set aside time on a Friday and list out all the things that I need to do the next week. I make sure I plan in things that help me be the best leader that I can be. So I always plan in my training. Um, I make sure all my meetings are logged into my calendar and all that non-negotiable, like top level stuff. And then any tasks and projects that I have, I then put in time in my calendar outside of that. So all the key important things that need, that will make me successful that week are planned into my calendar. And then it's really nice to walk into on a Monday, knowing exactly that I've set up my week. It's not like, okay, like where am I going to start? I'm walking in and it's all set up for the week. And then I encourage my team to do that as well. Some of them do it. (laughs) Some of them don't. But like different people work differently. Like I know, I know a lot of people work really well from like lists and that sort of thing, but I find that what gets planned gets done. And if I haven't blocked out that time for me to do it, then quite often other things that might be important at the time, like will get in the way of that. And then like projects that I'm working on, uh, they end up getting pushed to the side. And sometimes project work will be really impactful for the business, but is often not a top priority. So I make sure that I have time for that each week. Um, and what I also encourage people to do and like people that I lead is I feel like when you're a new manager or you're new in a role perhaps is that you spend so much time in your emails and it can just be such a time warp. Like you, you walk into work on a Monday, you've got your coffee and you open your emails and it's like, right, what have we got today? And then two hours later, you're still faffing about in your emails because things come up, there's questions that come up, you know, there's people that you need to respond to. You probably put something else in your calendar, you know, you and it's, it's such a waste of time. Like I would always try do other work before I start my emails because I know that yeah, it's just so easy to get stuck in that rat race of it. My biggest weakness, I would say, is time management. And being hostage to my emails, I it is honestly my worst quality. <laughs> I would have really? like I could listen I have tried. <laughs> I have tried lists. I have tried time blocking. I have tried everything, um, but I just I I'm so bad at it. I know I've over the years I have I worked out how to work smarter and not harder, Mm -hmm. but I would always let my day get derailed by emails or I would always have like a really great list of things I needed to do. And then I would come in and I would 
through my emails first. And that meant nothing on my list ever got touched. And look, like sometimes in that, you know, things will come up and you do have to drop everything and put out that fire or address that issue or whatever that task requires you to do. But it's such an easy trap to fall into is just hanging out in Gmail or Outlook or whatever platform that you use and living your day outside of that. I think there's a couple like little um, productivity hacks that I think I can't remember. Oh, maybe I'll put the, we can put the book in the show notes. Um, when I remember what it's called, but, uh, the the first two hours. No, but I have heard, I have heard about that. I haven't actually read that one. I think it's eat that frog. So the thing that might be the hardest or the most frustrating, or maybe not like your favorite thing to do that day, like doing that first, because that gets that out of the way at the beginning of the day or the beginning of the week and really, um, sets you up for success. Also, if it takes two minutes or less, like do it right now. And I know that, that those things can p- compound and all of a sudden you've spent like an hour on two-minute emails. But it's so easy to be like, oh, look, I'll do that later. And then you go back and you procrastinate and you put it off and you go back and then you do it. And you're like, wow, that took like no time at all. Like, But I perceived it to be so much bigger than what it was going to be and I wish I did it sooner. Yeah. In talking about the power of efficiency, which is super powerful, that is one of the best ways to do it. And the other part, in working smarter and not harder as a new manager and the power of efficiency. Efficiency is built through delegation. And that's something that was drilled into me as a grad, that if a manager asks you to do something and it's going to only take two minutes, stop what you're doing and just get it done. Yeah. And so if you, we talked about delegation maybe last week or the week before, if you are focusing on delegation, you actually become efficient because you've got the right people doing the right things rather than you trying to do your entire list, which if you're like me, you actually never touch. And that's, that's like a big part. And this is a conversation for another day, but actually hiring people for the right roles because someone might be really good in a creative space and you've got them doing really heavy on the admin tasks. And so it isn't efficient because they're not in their area of strength, which we spoke about a couple of weeks ago as well. So they're not set up for success. And in terms of time management and time efficiency and also cost of time, it's just not productive. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry, I'm kind of taking over your job here. You normally lead me in what to say. (laughs) I got carried away. This is something I feel very passionate about is setting up people to be efficient. Yeah. So, setting up people to be efficient, that's one thing. How do you take that and set yourself up with good boundaries so that you're not stuck sitting there trying to do everything? For me, boundaries is something that I really value, like in my work life and my personal life. And I think a big part of setting boundaries at work is my time because I really value my time and my time is very valuable. And understanding that first and foremost, I think people don't value their time as much as they should. So I think that's step one is really understanding their value. Um, and in that, when I set up my week, I block out the things that are non-negotiable for me. For me, if I don't train... I'm not a nice person and I, my mind isn't clear. So if I set that up the week before, then I know that I'm going to walk in. I've done something for me that morning because I'm an early morning trainer 
and then I can be really clear for the rest of the day. If someone tries to do something before that, then where possible, I'll say no because that's that's actually more important to me because that's that's what's going to set me up for success. So that's a really important boundary for me, having yeah. time to train. And, you know, people have different boundaries too, yeah. right? Some people might have a block off time between, I don't know, like three and four because they need to go pick up their kids from school. It's like, what is it that's going to be most important for them and how do they set those parameters around it so that they can be efficient and then create that balance? What would you do? Yeah. How do you... How do you uh, again, historically, not my not my strongest suit. Um, I think that when you're in a new role, it's very easy to overcommit straight away because you're trying to show just how committed you are and why you got that promotion or why you're in that role. And I've found in my experience that gets out of hand really, really quickly because you start off overcommitted and then you know, that's, that's your new boundary and it's very hard to come back from that. Um, and that's something that I learned the hard way and I'm still, I'm still not great at it. I probably will forever work on it. Um, some small things that I tried was again, yeah, exercising in the morning because I would always, if I, I always get up early and if I got up early, but I'm, faffed around and laid in bed and didn't go for a walk or didn't go to the gym or whatever, then I've gotten to work and I'm like a little bit grumpy because I already feel like I've wasted part of my morning. Yeah. So that's something I tried really hard to do. The other thing I tried later in my career was actually taking work emails off my phone. Yeah. That's a really big thing. Yeah. I was really bad. Like if I couldn't, if I woke up in the middle of the night, I would just you know, autopilot, open my emails and start looking at them. And then because I would look at them, I would already know what's in my inbox before the next morning. So then I wouldn't have a very restful sleep before the next morning because I already knew that I wasn't going to do what was already on my list because something new was in my inbox. It's like this vicious cycle. Um, so okay, just, just to pause there, the thought of waking up at 1am and needing to go to the bathroom or just waking up for whatever reason and reading my emails makes me feel sick. I cannot believe you did that. That would give me so much anxiety about was coming up in the morning and <laughs> I, sleep with your phone in the other room for goodness sakes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was really bad. I, I worked really hard to change that one, um, because I was so bad. Because I just had, I just thought, and this is a really warped perspective, I just thought that I had to always be available to do a good job. And this is kind of moving away from working smarter, not harder, because this is, this was definitely this not working belief, smarter. belief systems here. Yeah, this is a belief system. My belief system was that if I was always available, I would get great opportunities because I was always available to do them, or I would you know, do something really well because I was always available to do it. But that is not true. That is a bad belief system. I guess that comes back to what you were speaking at just uh, speaking about just before and around like, you know, when, when new managers come in and they're trying to overcommit and when they're not trying to overcommit, but they are overcommitting because someone says, Hey, actually, like, do you think you could help us out on this or X, Y, Z? And then they trying to impress their new manager or their team and their new role and they are saying yes but that sets that expectation that they can be the person to go to when there's extra workload to take on 
And before long, you know, you keep doing that and you don't, you don't practice or exercise your right to say no, then you're going to get burnt out. Mm. You're also going to get really resentful. And then sometimes, you know, if there's no feedback conversation to have had there to like reset, Hey, actually, look, I recognize that I have taken on too much and resetting a boundary and affirming that boundary. Sometimes people will just leave because they're absolutely fed up, but it's because of that lack of saying no or boundary setting or whatever. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point that you have just made because quite often people, and I've been guilty of this in the past, people will default and say that my manager doesn't respect my boundaries or, you know, my client doesn't respect my boundaries but they're only working within the boundaries that you have set. Yes. You, if you have always been available and you've always made yourself available and you have always said yes and you've never said no, then that's all they know. And it's not on it, I I don't believe that it's actually on them to go, "Oh, hold on a second. Are you sure you want to do this? Are you, you know, are you sure that this is a convenient time? Are you sure you want to say yes? Did you mean yes?" It's <laughs> That's what you've taught them. Yeah. I think part of that, that, I do, I, there's a little bit of disagreement there only because I think as a, when you're leading people, you need to recognize when they are, when they're doing that and being able to pull it back and sometimes say, Hey, look, I've noticed you've actually taken on X, Y, Z and that you're still in the office at this time every night, you know? how is your workload going? Like, Mm. are you finding that it's manageable? Do we need to pull it back or how do we reset that? Because then that's where that trust piece comes in too, right? Which we've spoken about before, because you're going to trust your manager more because they've said, Hey, like, because you know, there's a, there's a duty of care. And the thing is like, not everyone exercises that as a leader or manager. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's, I think that's another really great point. And a good manager needs to be able to identify that mm. rather than capitalize on it. Exactly. And that's where, that's where as a new manager, you need to um, be smart about how you use your team. And if you have someone in your team that is a workhorse and you know that, then you need to decide how you're going to approach that. And you see too often people just take advantage because they're like, yes. yes, I'm getting all these tasks. I'm getting essentially more bang for my buck. Yes. And you're treating people like objects rather than actual human beings. And that is a huge difference between a okay, maybe semi-average slash underperforming manager to a really great one. Yeah. Uh, And it's the difference between um, a manager that encourages and builds a great team and a manager that everybody hates working for. Yeah, exactly. Chatting now about time management techniques for new managers, you know, there's a a couple things that are in everybody's wheelhouse or, you know, if you've read a a self-development book or two, there's a few things floating around. What would you say is your best time management technique? technique that you would recommend or that you have found successful? Uh, well, <laughs> or have tried. Or have tried. Yeah. The jury's still out on yeah. that one. There's three. There's three things I want to talk about here. Go on. Um, the famous one, the Pomodoro method. Look, I'm not going to lie. Which is you work for 25 minutes. I'm, I haven't heard of that, that word. Have you not? No. Oh, and wow. Cap- Captain Efficiency over here hasn't heard that word. <laughs> 
I, I go strictly by the Ivanova method. <laughs> well, this Pomodoro method, I think it's 25 minutes of deep work, five minutes of rest, of break, not rest. Um, and you're meant to set, there's all these apps for it. In my industry, that absolutely wouldn't work. Yeah, because no, if my phone rang in my 25-minute allocation or I got Sorry. an email, I was not going to not answer my phone or not check the email or tell my boss to go back to his office because <laughs> I was in my 25-minute block. So Come back in seven minutes. Are, yeah, yeah, I'll be free in seven minutes. So there's that one. Mm-hmm. There's another book I read called The First Two Hours, which essentially talks to you about the first two hours of your day are very, very important Mm. and suggests, and I'm summarizing, it is a really, really great book, um, but something that just couldn't work for me. Um, It suggests essentially not going on your emails in the first two hours. Yeah. And I just could not do that. Yeah. Um, The one that I have used that does work is actually writing my to-do list the night before. Yeah. So when I came in in the morning, I didn't spend an hour tossing up which one I wanted to do and didn't want to do. I had a list and I would literally be able to come in and just pick one because I love procrastinating. (laughs) I don't mean to, I just do. (laughs) Everything great happens at the last minute, Um, but I could spend all morning writing a list and umming and ahhing about what I was going to do and procrastinating and then spend all afternoon trying to do a whole day's work in an afternoon. Yeah. So I started eliminating the chances of that by writing the list the night before. It's that whole mentality, right? Like your day starts the night before, your week starts the week before and that sort of shenanigans. And I think that, you know, it's a similar sort of principle to how I set up my week is how you set up your day and that's been successful for you. So perhaps today we could pop in the show notes a few books that we recommend. You know, there's a few good ones that have come out of this podcast and with this episode. And I think that one that I've really resonated is Atomic Habits. And before that, um, the book that actually inspired the guy that wrote Atomic Habits is The Power of Habit, I believe it's called. And it's all about habit stacking and, you know, just when so much of your morning or like some of the like more mundane, meaningless tasks are on autopilot or habitual, it takes away a lot of that thought process behind how to, where to start. Like, I think it's Steve Jobs, maybe it was, that he wore the same t-shirt every day because it took away that decision-making in the morning of having to decide what to wear. So he eliminated that. So again, he's like got back that time and got back that, um, I guess, decision-making capacity. Yeah. Yeah. I have heard that there is science behind how many decisions a person can make during the day before your decision-making ability starts to dwindle. And if you're making all your decisions like what to wear to work in the morning, then you're wasting your decision-making. Yeah. I found that so interesting. Um, One other thing Mm. that I think is a really great habit, and I think a lot of the military users is getting up and making your bed first thing because you're waking up straight away, you've started your day, and you have been successful in the first task that, you know, aside from waking up, you have set out to accomplish because, you know, there's so much power in that discipline. And if that's something that you do every day, it's, it might seem seemingly insignificant, but it is setting you up for success because you've already achieved, achieved something before you've gone and made your coffee or before you brush your teeth. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big rule in our house. Always have to make the bed in the morning. Big rule in my house too, but I I live by myself. (laughs) Only one of us has to adhere to that. (laughs) 
Um, so anything else to add today before we recap? <laughs> Nothing from me. Fabulous. Well, so, you know, there's a few key takeaways here. We've spoken about the power of efficiency and, you know, um, working smarter, not harder, and how to set yourself up with that with good habits and, you know, little practices that are going to make your time more efficient. Um, setting boundaries and how important it is to set boundaries to create that work-life or life-work balance, whichever way you want to flip it. A couple of different companies, they go life-work because your life shouldn't revolve around work. Anyway, story for another day. Um, and then how to empower new managers to implement, you know, these sorts of strategies into their daily and weekly routines so that they are more successful and more efficient in their day. And, you know, it's, it is a journey. It's not something that you have or, you know, a destination that you arrive at. It is something that's constantly evolving because, you know, life throws different things at you and without getting too like deep here, you know, things change, you know, you could get a a curveball thrown at you you tomorrow and how are you going to be able to uh, navigate that? And it starts with having these habits and systems in place. Yeah. And also making the point that not every habit or system works for everyone. So that's why it's a journey. You just have to work out which one works best for you. Exactly. Well, that's all from us today. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you all next week. Bye now.